welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. This is the March 11th game against the Calgary Flames, and for once, it is not a, you know, midnight or later game. Yeah, Feels Jesus. nice. I mean, it's still a little late for my taste, 9 p.m. start for us, but this I mean... early bird for the West. Though. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, before we say anything, this is actually right after the games ended. Uh, we didn't really have much to mention between periods, and due to just, like, how close the last two games have been together... I think, you know, and we'll get into who else is tired, but I think it was a little tiring and a little, like, harder to watch. So I didn't want to just talk for talking sake. So we have kind of all of our thoughts well, those written first down. first two periods, I mean, like, what do you want to That's say? That's exactly you know, it. Like, it's like we don't want to just go and talk for 10 minutes about one play. Hmm. And just so we'll just compile everything today. But in general, I want, we'll stick to that, you know, Yeah, we're going to stick whistles. to our format. I think, like you said, it's just kind of a fatigue thing with yeah. these late games and um you know especially a game like that that yeah. that you know that's just boring game it was a lullaby that yeah. game so uh yeah let's jump into it so yeah so like we two said one loss you yeah. know i mean this looked so much like when we first played calgary i wanted to check if it was it was definitely late january but i want to see if it was the first or second game i want to say the first because i, wanna, I think, I think we won the, the first second two game. yeah but um yeah i believe it was the first one as well while you're just looking for that for me it was also just one of those games where you know, I think, like, two-thirds into the game, we had, like, less than 10 shots. You can't win hockey games like that. It's just ridiculous. Like, the, the, the compete level seems to be jumping up and down between games. And I'll say it now. Like, I understand we had two hockey games within 24 hours of each other. But then you and I brought this up, too. They they don't have, you know, a work shift at 9, 9 a.m. They're not students. They don't, like, they don't have anything else going on. They're on a road trip in the western in western canada so like my my role as a hockey player if i'm them if i'm getting back to the hotel after the super late game against vancouver at you know two in the morning even if they have to go travel that night and they land and it's like 6 a.m just get your eight hours of sleep yeah you're you're not gonna have a coach give you a 9 a.m practice if you landed you know two hours earlier they're gonna go sleep eat and recover they should be fine later in the day. Yeah, and it showed they were tired. Yeah, so just double checking. It was the second. It was the January thirtieth game against the Flames. That was the second one. We lost two nothing. Very similar game. Very like no shots. I don't know what was with our shooting. And no just, pressure. No pressure. I don't know what it is with Calgary. Like we cannot get into their zone. It's I don't their know what defense. It is. Apparently decent. everyone else can. I don't know what it, I think their defense just meets us very well at the blue line, and I I don't know why we can't get through. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, you know, what do you think about like the tired aspect and like how to manage that? Yeah, so going off of what you said there, you know, I completely agree. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know why it's an excuse specifically for us. Like I, you know, a lot of, well, every team in Canada right now is going through brutal road trips. I mean, like we're going east, west, east, west, east, west. And, um, you know, it's, it's just not an excuse to me. I mean, like it's, you, they literally have one thing to do and it's recover after these games, like you said, and just sleep the eight hours sleep more than that sleep that's, 10 hours that's what i was kind of saying like you think it's fair of me to say that you know let's say okay they got off the ice at you know it was 2 a.m here so 12 there they were let's say they had to fly out that night so let's say everyone's on the plane an hour and a half two hours later the hour i don't know how long it takes to fly from vancouver to calgary but you let's just say an hour uh, maybe two um add it all in maybe let's say like four hours to get to the hotels and everything and you're in bed four hours after the game ends and it's uh you know four in the morning it like i think it's fair to say like if you sleep from four to noon 
That's the thing. It's okay. It's like, like, is that unreasonable of me? No, it's not. And I, I, you know, to go even one step further, like, I don't really think it matters what time they go to bed because they don't have to do anything. Right. That's the that's thing. What I was it's like, you know, they're like... not, they're, all, they're obviously not going to skate that day. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, you know, besides maybe FaceTiming their family, like, what do these guys have to do? I mean, right. like, you, 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 you sleep and you recover for the game. You get up, you eat, you go back to sleep. You get up, you eat, you go back to sleep. You get up, you eat. And then it's 6 p.m. You go for a team meeting. Then you go to the game. Like, I, I don't know why, like, specifically for us, fatigue is such a factor that basically if we play two nights in a row, we write off the second game. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not now, in is this that a condensed condi- Is that a conditioning issue? I don't know if it's a conditioning issue. Because, like, our, it's not like we're particularly in bad shape, especially with our, with our speed. It's hard to tell. But I think it's maybe a discipline issue with the younger guys. Maybe they don't go to sleep. Maybe they, like, you know, hang out and play Fortnite or something, which would really piss me off. Right. But and we were making our joke that Che Weber needs his uh, his post-game whiskey no matter yeah. what time it is, but I don't think it's that, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I obviously, there's going to be a non-zero amount of fatigue at it, and that's, mm-hmm. that's normal, right? But it shouldn't be such an amount that basically we have to write off the next game. I mean, like... It's just crazy. It's yeah, know. and like a little bit of fatigue is okay. Yeah, it's fine. Like you I, can play I, I don't fatigue. need them to be fresh faced if they have no. two games within twenty four hours. I just can't I have just... you score five goals and then barely exactly. get one on, or even more than that. I can't have you shoot fifty shots exactly. and then shoot ten. Like yeah, it just don't doesn't... don't basically try your best to win the first game to guarantee that you split the games. Yeah, You're, they're writing it off before it happened. I don't know. It just frustrated me, and then. I mean, look, let's, let's focus on the one positive. We got Scory Perry happening again. Fifth yeah. goal of the year, assisted from Weber. You know, too little, too late. But at least, you know, it shows the veteran guys will step up when the team is struggling. That's a good sign for me looking down the road for the playoffs. Yeah. But I really, like, I hate to harp on this, but, like, I, I need to focus on what went wrong tonight because not much went right. Um, we got to talk about Victor Mete again. I can't believe yeah, we're no. doing this again. Look, unfortunately, they're yeah, they're between a rock and a hard place. Like I would have played like I yeah. just would have played like on defense. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah, I, I yeah, really I would have. I really would have played five D or Lekkonen yeah. before Mete. Yeah, Genuinely. And, you know, it, it it trickled down to Kulak. Even you know, Kulak looked uncomfortable. Didn't really know what Mete was just, like doing positionally. Um, you know, and that that's half because of Mete and half because, you know, he's just, Mete's not used to the system this yeah. year. And, and... and what stood out to me the most was there was one specific play with Victor Mete, and it was him with Matthew Kachuk in front of the net. Victor Mete ended up in Jake Allen's lap. This, that's the entire issue right there. He just, mm-hmm. he can't play the position. Matthew Kachuk put him into Jake Allen to the point where literally, like, um, he fell on top of yeah. Jake Allen. And there was no penalty because it was a completely clean play. It was just Kachuk backed up into him. He can't play that role. Yeah. And like I we just we need to move on from this guy. I'm saying for for his benefit too, because yeah. all of his positives will come out somewhere. Yeah. He he'll play just well in here. a different system. Yeah. Just I, I, it's you not know, here. Like a, a very like up and coming team, you know, I don't know. But it's just not here and you know, it, it's painful to see him play, like honestly. Yeah. And it's it like... and it really does impact the players on the ice. Yeah. Every time he plays, it's the worst game I've seen from Romanov yeah. by far. Because he doesn't have that reliability anymore. And yeah. like it just it, it drives me nuts watching him play. And like I, I'm trying to not make like jokes out of it. It's it's like he, there's just a very big conflict of style and also like conflict of just I mean, mainly so, but also, like, chemistry. Like, there's, there's no... He yeah. has no chemistry with this team. Yeah, I think there's a bit of, like, an ego problem going on with him. Yeah. Like, I think he's, you know, hyper-inflated. 
And, um, you know, I don't think he can admit to his faults. Like, you know, I don't know the guy. I've never spoken to him. But, like, just the way he plays, it looks like it's just the same mistake, same mistake, same mistake. And, you know, I don't think the coaching staff are scared of Victor Mete, which leads me to believe he just doesn't implement criticism, which is, like, like, extremely frustrating. I really hope, like, this podcast gets to a point where, like, we can actually get, like, interviews with players. Because, like, I'd love to have some kind of segment where like I you know it could it could kind of be like almost like a defense of some kind where like we actually ask Victor Mete to explain it because he cl- like I'm not saying the guy doesn't actually know what he's doing he's an NHL player I want to know his side of it like what's he seeing what does he think yeah wrong? I, I want to know what particularly in Montreal is stopping him from progressing yeah and being like, a better there, there could be factors that we don't know about because he he has you know he has a certain ceiling you know what I mean like and yeah. it's not this you know yeah. like he, his skating ability alone should bring him higher than he yeah. is and it's just not moving the, and, and what's scary with Victor Mete is like the needle doesn't move no. like he just it, there's no progress year after year which is like it's insane it's like literally like, and it's got to be frustrating for him too because one it's like, you know, from an athlete's point of view, he's not playing and he wants to play. And mm-hmm. he's basically too good to be playing in the AHL. Well, debatable. Yeah. But, all, like, they don't want to give him that role when they want all the rookies playing. And he's not good enough to make the NHL. So he's just in this, like, perpetual healthy scratch area. And it, again, it, like, doesn't let him improve. Yeah. But there's also the financial part of it, too, where, like, he went from projecting to get, like, kind of like a cool act deal when he was playing with Weber and everything as his first contract to he took a pay cut this year to stay on the team. Yeah. And, like, these guys, they, they, they're investing in themselves to kind of make this money because their their careers are going to be short. And Victor Mettes is looking to be even shorter now. Yeah. So, he, like, something's got to move here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. And, you know, it, it's a bit less frustrating for me when, like, I know we have to play him. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know... Well, with Sherrod injured, I'm not yeah. upset that he's on the ice. Exactly. Like, I, I know it's, it wasn't exactly, like, a... Um, you know, a decision that had to be made. It was yeah. like already made for them. And exactly. Like, um, it's a little bit different when like, you know, they scratch Kulak or Romanov. Exactly. Him. But um, yeah, it just, it, it didn't look good. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Alan held us in there a little bit. Um, there's a lot of mistakes on that last pairing. And what was Alan's save percentage last night? It's pretty high. It's definitely over 900. But, you know, it's, it's also frustrating in the sense that, you know, it's obviously not Sherratt's fault that he broke his hand, but, um, you know, pushing Romanov up into that one pairing position, like we that just that. looked, we, we called, we called that, that the, the podcast before when we saw Sherrock get injured. He looked absolutely horrendous on that first line. And the thing is, is like we said, when you give a young guy who has that much potential, you know, a few periods to play on that first pair, he's going to perform amazingly. Remember, if you remember, Victor Mete did too. Yeah. Okay. Like when we first gave him that opportunity, it's because it's that burst of confidence and like I think you can do this. But then you stretch that out, stretch that out over a few games, and you have give them more opportunity to fuck it up. Yeah. And, and it not happens. you. It goes from you can do this to you have to do this. Yeah. And then what's going to happen is even though for sure in a few years Romanov is a first pair guy, but what happens is that you you stunt his confidence so bad that he just doesn't grow. Yeah. And then you have Sorry, just a... one thing. What do you think Jake Allen's save percentage? I just looked it up. What do you think it actually was? Like a nine ten. Yeah, it's a nine thirty one last night. Wow. Yeah. So like it, again, we like we can't keep doing this to goalies. Well, yeah, we can't lose because he let in two goals and it's a nine thirty. Like, yeah. It's just not. It's yeah. not right. Then it, and it's you know that's why you know when we win seven one when we win five one if you guys notice like 
specifically me on here, Jesse too, but specifically me, like you'll never see me happy about it because no. like I know how polarizing this team is and I know that next game we might get shut out. Yeah. And like it, it drives me nuts and it, it you know. I, I do trend to be more of an optimist with that where I don't think the like the uh, you know return to uh, to zero will happen so quickly that yeah. it'll go up, down, up, down. I, I well, always hope we can teams, ride the waves a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like most teams, if they score seven goals, it'll go down next yeah, game. To but four. it'll go down to, yeah, like two, three, maybe four goals, and it'll bring them back down to their average. Mm -hmm. We get corrected to our average in one game. That's so like it. we go from seven to zero. Yeah. Okay, we don't go from seven... Our average being what three and a half, three, uh, somewhere like that. Okay, yeah. it doesn't go from seven. Oh, back to three. The average. Maybe we'll have a two. Maybe another three. Oh, we're back to our yeah. our baseline. We go back to baseline in the game. Yeah, well, that that's so just it. It's got to stop. And you know, it's um, you know, last night was particularly frustrating because, you know, at least that second game against Calgary uh, when we got shut out two nothing. I think we had something like 35 shots on Markstrom, and Markstrom was just having a crazy night. They played Riddick the, uh, the game the before one, yeah. uh, when we won 5-4 uh, Some, or something, something like that. 3-2, 5-4, I don't remember. By but, one, um, one, yeah, by one. They, then they put in Markstrom, and Markstrom just completely shut us down. Yeah. And we, we had a lot of opportunities, not like golden chances, but we at least got pucks on net. Like here, it was, th nothing. It was nothing to do with Markstrom. Like no. We had no shots. We had like I, th I remember looking with 10 minutes left in the third, we had 13 shots yeah, on it. Yeah, it's exactly that. You can and you, win you games said like it perfectly. That. You said with five minutes left, we'll get up to 20. Yeah. And, uh, you know. That's what we did. We'll, we'll take five shots. I want to see shift. specifically how many shots we had. I, I know for a fact it wasn't high. And I know, more importantly, for the majority of the game, it, it was below 10. Yeah. And so, so while, while you're looking at them, I'm just going to introduce this too. So, like, one thing that I, I mean, we both do it a lot, but I know I, I get into these things, you know, pretty deep dives okay, sometimes. Just to create, yeah. We had 18 shots. There you go. Okay. Uh, Calgary had 30. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's brutal. Like it. Um, yeah, no. So um, whenever there's mock trades or contract projections, like I really, I, I do my research on these things. I find it really interesting. And with the Sherratt injury, the rumors about Eckholm get even bigger and bigger. So I actually put together, much like the Jonathan Druin mock trade we mentioned uh last podcast i i put together one that i think is fair and i want to see just kind of you know on a one person jury here what you think about this so using uh jake muzzin as a mock trade kind of comparable i think muzzin to ekholm is a relatively fair comparison between you know like play style and value and age and where they're coming from all of that so i'll just remind people muzzin was traded for a first round pick um Grunstrom and Dursey. So that's a forward prospect and a D's prospect. Basically, what I thought is, okay, let's just start from the easy one, first round pick. So we'll give them our first round pick this year to Nashville. And then I looked, it was two second round pick prospects. So Dursey and Grunstrom were both taken the second round by LA. So I said, our forward second round prospect would be Jesse Alonen. And that's a right winger. Our D prospect would be Josh Brooke. That's a right-hand D with high potential. And then I added in also a roster player because of the specific climate of this year. Okay. And so what I came down to was a first, Yelonen, Brooke, and one of Mete or Kulak. And the reason I have them one or the other is, one, for what we were talking about before, a change of scenery might be helpful for Victor Mete. It might be something that entices Nashville because he's still, you know, he's 22 years old, I believe, and he has that ceiling, and he's going to be cheap for one more contract. 
or they go with Kulak because they are really struggling right now. A lot of their defensemen are injured, and they might need someone who can play in a top six role right away. So yeah. it's one or the other. Take their pick. But, you know, how would you how would you look at that? No, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, even from our point of view, I mean, um, it's weird to say with the Habs, but, like, we don't actually have much room for prospects anymore. I mean, That like, was my it, thought process. We have enough confirmed guys coming up that, like, you know, guys like Brooke and guys like especially Yelonen, like, I don't know what, you know, if they do end up panning out, we won't have them for long because... Exactly, and, and it's the position, too. Yelonen's a right wing, a very pure right winger. Yeah. And he's, he plays that kind of, like, two-way forward, kind of, like, think, like a like a Lekkonen slash Armia style. Yeah. And, like... Well, it's because, yeah, because then, look, if you look at Yelonen then, yeah. I mean, for the next, you know, five, six years... He's not um, in the top six. No, and like we're looking at, um, you know, really Caulfield, Gallagher, Armia, um, Toffoli. Toffoli. You know, I mean, like it's just there's not space for him. So like we might as well, you know, start looking at moving these prospects and, and getting something we really need. And you know, Matthias Ekholm is, you know, Louis probably Louis about Louis. as <laughs> as perfect of a player as we need right now. It's, and his contract's good. It's two years. Think about what that would do mil. to our left side. I mean, like well, that it. would just it's be Ekholm, crazy. Sherratt and Edmondson. Yeah, so that would be just wicked. Our our, you know, our seventh. We could have Kulak and Romanov swapping in back and forth right. on that other. Right well, like and spot. and assume it's Kulak that goes because if I'm Nashville, the better player is Kulak, even mm. though Mete might be attractive. I'm saying just assume Kulak's the one that goes to make it like well, yeah, worst case scenario Romanov, for us. Yeah. I'm saying, like, Romanov's on the right side. Um, you could also, you know, argue that when Ekholm, his contract's done, he's 32. If, you know, you're, that might be another two years of development for Romanov. Yeah, plus, then, yeah. the other two guys will have one year left. Like, uh, Sherrod and Edmondson have one year left on their deals. So, it's really, like, you can kind of start maneuvering, you know, do I want to bring back Ekholm? Fine. Maybe he drops down to a second pair with Weber, and then Romanov is a first pair at yeah. that point. You have options there, and that's why I also said Josh Brook because Josh Brook showed that he's, you know, he he has that upside offensively. But when we drafted him, he I think he was defenseman of the year or something in uh, the WHL, or he was the scoring leader at least. And I think you know he's a right hand D, and like that's what I'm looking at too. Is like I know we don't have a lot of right hand D prospects, but the thing is. Weber and Petrie are locked in for a long time, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't see between Flurry and Romanov and Brook and Mete and that Josh Brook just somehow bursts through. Well, yeah, and you're also forgetting about just our D in general. Like we have Gooley coming up. That's we the have, thing. We might have guys playing on their off. We even have Caden. Where is what is his name? That was Gooley. No, uh, uh, Jaden Struble. Oh, Jaden Struble, yeah, and then yeah. Jordan Harris and Johnny Fairbrother. It's like it's just it's, and like there, you know, and more. enough of these again, like these guys aren't confirmed hits. Yeah, but like a lot of them, like like Harris, for example, is like that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, and I he mean, plays opposite hand. He yeah. plays the right side with a left hand shot. Yeah, so it's pretty safe. It's not like we're looking at like you know a couple of years ago when like one of our top D prospects besides Romanov was like Juleson. Yeah, Juleson, yeah. something like that, where it's like you're not really sure. Uh, and yeah. even if even if he does pan out, it's not going to be like the guy, right? Yeah, like Jordan exactly. Harris can end up being like an elite defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. So I get a lot of Ty Smith vibes from him in New Jersey. Yeah, and it's like you know his if he like really doesn't come to fruition for us, like we're still looking at a top six guy. Well, that's and, like, it. He'll be an NHLer. That's yeah, like, for that's sure. it. And, and so like, like it's it's just worth moving on from these guys too because if you can 
you have to also look at the status of the team. Ekholm helps us now, which is when we're trying to win. Carey yeah. Price is in his kind of twilight now. Weber's in his twilight. Petrie's like he's playing great, but he is going to be older. Yeah. Like they, this is the time to do it, and like making this move, especially with Nashville looking to move this guy and re- like they're they're considering a rebuild, which yeah. is like they don't want thirty year olds on a rebuild. Yeah. Exactly. So, especially not ones that don't have like look. Yosi has a no movement clause. Ellis has a no movement clause. Johansson, Duchesne, both have no movement yeah. clauses. Like they need to resign Arvidsson. They need to resign Forsberg soon. Like they're gonna need got like some space open. So well, yeah, and I mean that's and the argument Ekholm, for Mete. Yeah, and with Ekholm, I mean he has two years left. Yeah. Right. So it's it's you know it's not long enough for them to really commit because. Um, you know, in two years, they're still going to be rebuilding. And exactly. It's like, do we want to lock this guy down now or do we just let him walk? And it's exactly. like, you, know, you might as well just get something from yeah, him. Yeah, and it's still, you know, it's a first-round pick and a draft where no matter where you're picking, you could hit. There's a yeah. lot There's there's a lot of issues with... That was the main reason why GMs wanted to move the draft because there's, there's teams, I believe Buffalo, has not scouted people yet in, like, the OHL in Russia. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't just looked at guys yet. And there's there's a lot of talent coming up this year. But, like, a first... Obviously, you know, the first five picks, it's very hard to screw up. Yeah, but like, a sixth overall is what you're getting at could go at 20. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, you could you could absolutely pull a pass or knack and get someone at 25 yeah, and, who and, shouldn't be there. Yeah, and to add to that, you could also get someone who's supposed to go in the first round in the second. Exactly, yeah. and it keeps trickling down like that, and it gets worse and worse. Well, better and better if you're the team drafting, but in terms of concentration, every time you take someone who shouldn't who gets drafted let's say ahead of where they are you're pushing them down by like potentially like 10 picks Mm -hmm. because teams after the first round typically draft for need yeah and you know if you need a d and then the 10 teams ahead of you are drafting forwards like that that's a big jump yeah you know so it's it's one of those things where it's something to consider i don't what about a package this is more of a uh on the dreamer side but what about a package deal with that call in forestburg i mean i'll i'll do it i mean you I, throw in druin in there yeah and that's the thing like it, it obviously would cost a lot more well yeah, yeah. i mean throw in druin to that and then also we had like a bunch of picks and, and maybe some more prospects yeah, it's, it's definitely feasible you'd have to manage the cap a little bit but yeah, but i again i forestburg would come secondary to me to taylor hall i think like, yeah that was the thing a Dru- but that I druin also, trade and this ekholm trade yeah i think ones. i you know i actually think the taylor hall trade you know i mean i think the taylor hall trade is more realistic yes like not more realistic than the ekholm trade i think the ekholm trade is more realistic yes. but i i mean instead of adding in Forsberg, yes, i think the, the, the hall trade is more realistic just because um you know he's somewhat in a questionable state right now and yeah. also with you know a one-year contract it's it's um and it you know, there's a lot of yeah there. and if he really wants to sign with buffalo long term like this this is fine by them they could send him there and be like have basically a handshake deal for when july 1st hits yeah be so like, and he's you're not back yeah he's not exactly playing in his hometown like no. i don't think he i i think he's just a good dude and i think he's trying to play up his affinity for buffalo because like no one's attracted to buffalo I mean, I, like, yeah let's and be i also just here. don't understand the decision because he wants to go to a contender i guess like when you look at it like they should be better but it's like they're not. They're, yeah. they're not. They and don't with Eichel out them. for p- almost the season yeah. now, I mean, like, it's really, really not looking good for them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a lot of it, too, um, is on Hall was contingent on Eichel staying. I yeah. really don't think Eichel staying. Yeah. And um, I think that'll kind of leak a little bit, you know, especially since, obviously, they're line mates, so they mm. talk. 
Um, and if Eichel doesn't stay, there's no way Hall's staying. No. Because, like, who the hell's he going to play with? Which, like, if I'm Buffalo, I'm worried right now because, you know, they they desperately need Eichel to yeah, stay. Yeah, and this is the thing. is like, maybe move Hall, and that'll actually keep Eichel. Because yeah. the one of the reasons why Eichel's so unhappy there is the unwillingness of management to make moves. Yeah. They, they refuse to want to win. Yeah, and it's, it's all them. management. Like, they, they haven't changed their team in, no. like, three years. It's been Eichel... And the rest. Yeah, it's the, they don't actually give him support. And, like, yeah, you have the Hall thing, okay? But, like, you, th- that first line was never the issue. No. It, it, it's not a fix. It's, like, it's not the issue, the first line. It, Eichel didn't need help on his line. Yeah. Eichel needed help on depth so that he wasn't the one producing every game. Well, that's it. And then they're also, I mean, there's there's other aspects There's the Skinner problem, too. I was going to say, Skinner, like, they, they, they really, they blew it there. and like That's almost like a basically a suicide like i well, mean yeah. there, there's no one that's going to take that contract no. and even if they do move him they're going to have to retain half if not more yeah i so, mean you can only retain up to half that's yeah. the issue yeah no i mean like give more oh and yeah. give away yeah they like that's the thing if someone wants me to take jeff skinner i'm yeah right away you got to retain four and a half of that yeah. nine and it's not if it was a like if there was a trade that was one for one contingent on you ha- taking half the fact that he's so inconsistent, yeah. I mean, like, you're going to have to add more. And Buffalo's notoriously cheap. They don't retain salary when they make trades. Yeah. So. Well, no one's going to take that. Yeah. I mean, like, if you think the Bobby Ryan contract's bad, I mean, like. Yeah. I mean, relative it is. It's just as bad, but. Yeah. Well, um, that, like, uh, Ottawa's willing to buy him out. They yeah. bought him, They bought him out for that much money. It was, that was how bad he was playing. And I think he's more of an asset than Jeff Skinner. Yeah, me too. Because he at least plays, like, the, the full length of the ice. Yeah, exactly. You know, more but, than Skinner, at least. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I just, I wanted to go into the mock trades a little because we are approaching. I mean, it's April 12th. Yeah, at least Bobby Ryan has sympathy, though. Yeah. Like, Jeff Skinner has no sympathy. No. Like, you see him during these press conferences. The guy acts like he's still scoring. 40 goals i know he did you know? it once it's like you're scratched yeah you, you make nine mil a year yeah. I mean, like what it's it's insane maybe turn me. that uh smile into a frown a little bit because yeah. at least it won't piss off all the players on <laughs> exactly. the team that can't have uh... however looking at the current state of the montreal canadians i'm just thinking about now if you do do those two trades that we have mentioned so the hall one and the Equum one our lines become hall suzuki anderson to i'm going with the most recent updated ones so Tafoli, foley gallagher Tatar, Dano, Armia, and then Byron Evans and Perry. Then on defense, you have Ekholm, Weber, Edmondson, uh, Petrie, and then Kulak, Romanov. That's mm. that's a team. <laughs> yeah. And I think it works, just doing the quick math in my head, that like cap-wise, I think it does work. And yeah, that would be insane. Yeah, that would be, that'd be huge and... Uh... You know, that would solve a lot of our woes. Yeah, I'll I'll put you on the spot here, though. What if, basically, you offer that to uh, Nashville, and they go, tell you what, take out the forward prospect of Elon and throw in between cap reasons and because we want him to give us our Tori Lekkinen? Um, Well, as, you know, I... Because I, I, yeah, I know that's everyone. that's a big favorite. I think everyone here knows, especially Jesse. Like Arturi Lekkinen is definitely one of my favorite players on the Habs. Just like from his work ethic alone, I just really value that kind of player. Um, but for Matthias at home, I don't think I could pass on that, especially uh, with the role that Lekkinen's being given right now. Basically, as an extra forward, I don't really see that changing because one, you know, similar to Jeff Skinner, um, obviously 
not the same because of the contract, but it's hard to bench Byron. Yeah. You know, like with making three and a half or 3.4 mil, whatever it is, like, you know, it's hard to have that guy as your extra man. Um, so I don't see him going anywhere on the fourth line. You also want him to play his position. You don't want him playing center because I, I like Byron on the wings. It allows him to speed up the side there. Yeah. Perry is like on another level right now. And Evans is just playing good center hockey. So like, I don't really see a role for Lekkonen right now. Yeah, that was The only reason concern. I would want to maybe keep Lekkonen and counter offer with them is because I think Lekkonen is really good bait for Seattle. That's the thing. The The thing is with Seattle, and I'm sure we'll get into this as it gets closer too, but there's a couple guys that we can bait them with. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm... Just I'm, if they take Allen, we're basically That's what I'm saying. Fucked, we, we, so. I don't think we're going to lose them just based off the fact that I don't think Mark Bergevin is going to just go quietly with that. Yeah. And there's enough guys that I think we can absolutely tempt them with other than Allen if we don't trade them away. You know, like, again, there there is Lekkonen, there is Kulak, there is Mete. Those three guys, I think they take before Lekkonen just because, like, when you're building a team, like, they they know they're going to need guys to put the puck in the net, and that's mm-hmm. just not Lekkonen's role. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mete's a, a Kraken. I wouldn't be surprised. The one that I, I think is going to sting the most is if we lose Armia, but I, yeah. I don't know how that's going to go. But anyway, we'll we'll have to see for that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're so, just, you know, especially if we, you know, I want, I think Bergevin is at that point now where like, he's willing to be very aggressive. Yeah. Um, that's why I can see during this trade deadline, like us actually acquiring Hall, I could see us actually acquiring Ekholm because I think he's kind of on the hot seat right now. And I think like his previous conservative style management of the team, um, is sort of, not getting under Jeff Molson's skin, but it's, it, it, you know, Jeff Molson's looking at his watch a little bit and like... Yeah, and, and I mean, the other thing too we have to consider is we need to think Especially about... Especially if out for the year. Well, that's if it. out for the year, then, you then he's, make a move. he's really on the hot seat and like I think he's, you know, really going to be looking at his job. So he's got to really uh, make moves for Ekholm and Hall. Well, that's the thing. you got to make moves. You've, you've committed to a win now scenario. And then I was going to say, I would maybe even try and wouldn't be surprised if those trades came before the deadline just because of the two-week wait time yeah for sure so i wouldn't be surprised yeah, i i think you know if we know then he knows but like i don't think we have another two years like i no we don't you know we're we're probably seeing like the last few last year and a half of good carry price and shea weber and shea weber shea weber's 36 yeah he's 36 i mean apparently petrie's like uh fine wine fine he's kind of <laughs> like i guess he's like peaking like giordano a little bit yeah. but i mean at the same time like we'll we'll see it's if we give you know like i look at chara and i go like this guy's in his 40s and he's weak but he's not playing top pair anymore mm-hmm. they're being smart with him they're using him where he is so you know if shea weber drops the second and the third pair fine but like it needs to be handled accordingly that's what it is next year probably jeff petrie's the first pair d yeah and that's where you know ekholm petrie is a first pair not the worst thing in the world no edmondson weber and then ideally sharat romanov yeah i mean ekholm is basically guaranteeing us 40 to 50 points there yeah uh is apparently 100 size. Yeah, yeah apparently 100 yeah, i mean i think he has 24 25 points in 23 games or something like that so uh you know obviously you know i think we're i think everyone's noticing a little bit that i think everyone's stats this year are inflated yeah i think like well it's very pond hockey feel to it yeah like specifically this year i don't know what it is it might be the the matchups the rivalries are like you know driving players to play really hard mm-hmm. but like the stats are insane this year like if you look at like the points yeah. there are like 
like 20 players above point per game i mean like it's insane well, that's the thing and on top of it too it's like they have less time to do it so like they're getting played more like you know mcdavid's putting getting out in more situations they don't have to manage his oh well, yeah mcdavid's time as mcdavid's much. on pace for like 170 points yeah like it's, it's, so it's, it's like, crazy but it's, it's like you know obviously it's I'm fun being, to watch uh, you know, being a bit exaggerating there but i think it's like 150 yeah it's not you're not far off i think he's like 40 points in like 26 in, yeah he's enough. insane but, you know he's just he's always on another level but my point is is that you know he's being trailed by Patrick Kane by like you know like five points or something like that and then yeah. you know there's a long list of guys back there that you know on a normal season perform but like not really to this, this level extent. Yeah. this is like a little a little much even in goaltending save percentage you notice it's lower this year yeah in general like most goalies are, are way down yeah um Speaking of which, I wish the score, like if, if they ever if this ever gets back to them, like they have to filter the save percentages based on games played. Like there I has know. to be a minimum. You're basically asking the users to, you know, basically spot check every goalie because yeah. the first 12 in save percentage have played one game. Yeah. It drives me nuts. It's like, no, I know. It's like their average is like 960 and they played one game and we're a 960. Oh, yeah, no, you look at you look at the, the top 10 save percentages and it's 1.0. Yeah. It's like, who the hell are these guys? And it's, you see they played a game. No, or they, they played a period. They played two <laughs> periods, one period. It's like they have to filter this based on like playing at least 40% of the season yeah. or something like that. But anyways, guys, well, uh, when's our next game? Uh, two days from now. Thursday, right? Yeah. Not Thursday. No. Holy crap. What day are we today? We're for Thursday. Yeah. yeah. So, Saturday. Yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. Saturday night hockey. I think Price will play. We need sleep. Yeah, we need <laughs> sleep. It's what time is it? It's late it's late o'clock yeah late o'clock but you know it's uh hopefully the guys can rest and you know again they they got to kind of figure this out because you know again like i don't know what it is with us in calgary but like we can't be losing these teams i know it's like you know i thought calgary was gonna be way better than they are this year yeah um but you know i don't know what it is we can't be losing the calgary and ottawa games like we just can't be losing these games no i know so you know we got to come back saturday night like we can't uh like we're down in the series against calgary it I know, and I mean, look, happen. as it stands right now, the the we're North Division, we're fourth, and it's, again, it's a tight race. We're, we have a bit of breathing room against the teams below us because we've got a four-point lead against Calgary. I know, I just, I don't want to play Toronto in the first round. I know, that's it. I just, I want us to move up. Not because like, I think we lose to them. I actually think we beat Toronto, and yeah. I think a lot of the expert analysis, uh, analysts say the same just because of how hard we play the game, especially in playoff hockey. If mm-hmm. you look at us in the bubble, how well we played, we're just a better team this year. Yeah. And Toffoli and Anderson are definitely playoff guys. But the point is, is that we have this history to have of when we make the playoffs is that we put everything into the first round. Second yeah. round, we'll get swept. No, I mean, exactly. It, so I don't want to play a team like Toronto that will really call for us to give everything, yeah. from even from an emotional standpoint. And then lose to Winnipeg in the second round. Then lose to Winnipeg in, uh, but in five it, games. But it is worth mentioning, though, we have played the least amount tied with Winnipeg, the least amount in our division, yeah. by more than a game. In yeah, a but the like, point is is that we've t- we're tied with Winnipeg and they're up. No, no, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm saying for the rest of the division. I'm saying yeah. like it's worth mentioning that we're in fourth with games in hand. Yeah, no, no. But I'm, yeah, I know. I agree. But this, what I'm saying is that like Winnipeg's one. Uh, yeah, Winnipeg ahead of us. specifically has the yeah. same in their. And ahead like of that's us. basically the spot we're competing for. Exactly. Right I mean, like I think we can get to two. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter if if we're three. If we're in third or second, it it won't matter. It's we'll, no, exactly. be the same matchup. It's gonna be the same matchup, but yeah. um, you know, we just—I don't want to be in fourth, and um, you know, it's a lot tighter than I think we think. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, look at the games played. Look at the games played," but not with who we're competing with. Like yeah. we're right now, we're competing with Winnipeg, and we're tied for games played. No one's looking at Vancouver. Okay? No, so, like, exactly. I know that I know they have like four games on us, but it doesn't really matter because 
Uh, there's no way we're losing our spot to Vancouver. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah, so we'll catch you guys Saturday night, and um, you know, hopefully we get a bit of a better game from the Habs, more scoring, and um, you know, I don't want it to be too high. I hope we win like three one or something like that, yeah. just so that we can kind of keep the four to two would be nice. Yeah, just like something within reason, so that like not everyone gets a goal and then goes yeah. quiet for a week because like we can't afford that. So like so let's spread the wealth a little bit and like you know get back to how we were playing. That's it. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop Podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.